0: Great to see you all here. This is always an odd service, isn't it? It's kind of between Christmas, New Year. Nobody really knows what's going on. Do we go to church? Do we sleep in? Well, I'm glad you guys decided to come to church this morning. And uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to have a bit of fun just because it is. It's that time between Christmas and New Year and nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, And so I'm curious because I entered a new stage of life on Christmas Day. Uh, And the stage of life I entered was the fact that I got socks for Christmas. (laughs) Apparently I'm at that stage now. But you know how I knew I was really in that stage? Was because I was glad I got socks. (laughs) I needed some socks. I liked the socks. And I thought, this is awesome. And of course, my kids are horrified that I'm so thrilled over socks. Any other guys here that got socks for Christmas? Keep those hands up. Keep those, those hands up. Any men? I, I'm, I'm being sexist for the moment, OK? Any men who got socks? How many of you men were glad you got socks? A whole couple of, couple of hands. So um, So I'm, I'm curious, of those men who put up their hand, who thinks they've got the cool wait wait, let me rephrase this question. How many of you are wearing those Christmas socks right now? I see a hand up at the back. Any, anybody on this side? One person is wearing their Christmas socks to church this morning. Two people are wearing their Christmas socks. Are they cool Christmas socks? I see a head nodding. Are they cool Christmas socks? They are indeed. I tell you what, why don't the two of you come down here quickly? I'm being dead serious. Come on up. Come on up. The two of you are both coming down. Come on. If you got your Christmas socks on... Give them a hand because they're embarrassed. They didn't think they would be doing this. They had no intention of showing the world their Christmas socks this morning. I'll tell you what. Um, why don't we get the camera up? Come stand right over here for, for all of us and uh, take, take a half a step back. Okay, there we go. Come on in. Come on. We got one more coming. Come on. We got one more coming. And, uh, and let's go ahead and, and zoom in down at about sock level. Coming in there, come stand up close. Let's, let's, okay, those are some pretty cool, funky socks. You didn't have to take your shoes off, you've gone over and above beyond the call of duty there. Those are crisp, clean white socks. Let's zoom across that side over there. Let's pan right, nice, crisp white socks. Okay, awesome, awesome. Now, don't go anywhere. Let's, let's pan over to my Christmas socks. So, I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't do this to anybody else either. So, uh, you can zoom in on the Christmas socks. If you, if you can't tell, that's breakfast. There's some eggs, bacon pancakes and coffee and everyone knows how much I like I like breakfast now you guys have been great sports so I'm going to give you a Starbucks gift card you know I'm not going to have you up here for absolutely nothing give them a hand this morning they've been fun and uh, you guys can go grab a seat and uh, I expected more of you honestly I still got two more gift cards only two of you were in your Christmas socks this morning that'll teach you Maybe next year. Next year we'll have a church full of people wearing Christmas socks. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's get serious. We're in church, people. Here we are in that time, that in-between season. Between Christmas and New Year. The busyness, the hype, the celebration, the fun, the food is all finished. Well, almost all finished. Even though Christmas was just a few days ago, for many of us, it feels like it was ages ago. Maybe because we were so wrapped up in the busyness of it, and the excitement, and the fun, and kind of getting everything ready. But now we're kind of in that between, and, and we're not quite into the new year. We're still in the old year, and we're kind of just waiting. You know, December time uh, is a time of Advent in the Christian calendar. And Advent is the season of looking ahead and preparing for Christmas. And every Sunday as we work towards Christmas Day, we remember the fact that Jesus came to earth. And that's part of, of what we do in Advent. We, Advent sorry, we look back and we remember the fact that God took on flesh, that Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus came to earth. And so we look back. But during Advent, it's not only to look back, it's also to look forward. And we remind ourselves that Jesus is coming again. That's why we light the candle and we focus on the themes of love, peace, hope and joy. We focus on the reminder that just as Jesus brought these things and inaugurated them, so he is coming again to consummate them. And so we look back and we look ahead. For some of us, this week between Christmas and New Year, it's almost that same thing for us. You might be one of those people who likes to think through the coming year. I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. But maybe you look ahead and you think, well, these are some of the things I want to achieve. These are some of the things I want to work on. And so I look ahead, but I'm not quite there yet. So I look back as well and I reflect on the year gone by. So maybe as you're pondering that, even right now, what was your last year like? Where was God at work in the last year? What were you hoping for? What were you praying for? What were you expectant from God for? What happened during this last year? And even as you think back of the last year in terms of where God was at work and what God was doing, what are you looking forward for? What are you hoping will come in 2020? What are you still praying for? Let me use an illustration for a moment. And, and I wanted to stick in your mind because I'm going to come back to it later on. Most countries, most developed countries have national parks. Canada is no different. There are national parks in most countries. And in a national park, the idea is this is a place that is largely uninterrupted, or there is minimal human activity. And wildlife and nature and animals get to roam free and exist without that threat of of at least human intervention. And, you know, animals eat animals, and so that still happens. But it's this natural habitat And yes, we pay and we can go and enter into this place and have a look at what's happening and be exposed to the beauty. Now, I know you've got a couple of national parks here in Canada, and I know some of you have been to some of those national parks and you think they're amazing, but you ain't seen nothing. You see, South Africa has a national park called Kruger National Park. And Kruger National Park, whenever people say to me, oh, I'm going to South Africa, or I'm planning on going to South Africa, I want to go visit, what should I see? I put Kruger National Park on that list. It is one of the few parks of that size in all the world where you can drive in your own car along some tarred roads and some gravel roads and see all of the big animals, the lions, leopards, cheetah elephants, rhinoceros, buffalo, hippo, crocodiles, uh, all the birds of, well, not all, but most the birds, birds of prey, all sorts of buck, all sorts of creatures that you can see. And so my family, we've gone there. We love going there. But I had a great piece of advice in the very first time we went to Kruger National Park. A friend of ours said to us, Brian... There will come times when you're driving through Kruger Park, you're so excited, it's your first time, you're going to pick the complete wrong time of the day. You're going to go out after lunch and you're going to drive around for three hours and see nothing. Because the animals are wise and they're resting and they're in the shade, it's too hot. You're going to see nothing. And at some point while you're driving, you're going to turn to Cindy and you're going to go, well, this sucks. And so Brian, what you need to do is you keep a journal in your car. And when you're driving along, not only taking photos, write down what you saw. Because at the end of the day, you would have forgotten about that little spring hare. You would have forgotten about that wild dog. You would have forgotten about that hyena because you'd be so overwhelmed. And he was absolutely right. We had times where we'd drive around and see nothing and get frustrated and think, why have I wasted all this time? And then we'd get back to the campsite in the evening And we'd go through the journal and be blown away and be reminded of, hey, we saw that lion right next to the car. I could have touched it, but I like my hand too much. And you go, Brian, where'd you go with that? As you look back and ask yourself, where is God at work in your life? Are you recording those moments, God, is at work? Because there will be times when you're driving, even into the new year, where it will feel like all the animals have gone into hiding. It's the hottest part of the day. You don't know what you're doing and you're going to turn to somebody in the car and go, well, this sucks. We need to record what we've seen. You and I are prone to forgetting. Isn't that the problem? We're prone to forgetfulness. And we forget what God does and we forget what God invites us into. And we forget the life that God has in store for us. And it's possibly one of our biggest challenges, especially as children of God that we forget about God, and we forget about God at work. You know, in the world of science, uh, there are few prestigious institutions, and I would say one of them, probably, possibly one of the most prestigious scientific institutes, is the Cambridge University's Cavendish Laboratory. It's home to two centuries of Nobel Prize winning research, including the discovery of the structure of DNA. Do you know that inscribed over the entrance into this Cavendish laboratory at Cambridge University is Psalm 111, verse 2? The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all of them that have pleasure therein. You know, that verse was originally carved in Latin uh, in 1874 by the Cavendish professor of physics, James Maxwell. Maxwell was known for numerous achievements in mathematics, in physics, uh, and in fact, if you're interested, he, he formulated the classical theory of electromagnetic radiation. Now, I don't even know what that is, but he's a smart guy. But Maxwell was also a committed follower of Jesus Christ. When the laboratory moved to its present site a hundred years later, that inaugural verse again received that place, but this time in English... And it might be that some of us are shocked that eminent scientists would quote scripture over their work as the ground and the inspiration of their work. Maybe it's because we've lost sight of how important biblical ideas are and were to the foundation of Western intellectual life, including the origins of modern science. You know, prominent early scientist Johannes Kepler, uh, for example, spoke for many of his time when he described his work in the sciences as this. He said, we are thinking God's thoughts after him. You and I often forget our own history. Humanity forgets our own history, and as a result, we don't fully understand our present role in it. To forget our story is to forget who we are, and it's to forget whose we are. No, wondering, no wonder remembering was such a key theme in Scripture. God knows the gravitational pull of human awareness, which draws us inexorably toward forgetting. You and I, our biggest danger is forgetting what God has done. Losing our memory and forgetting who we are and whose we are. You know, the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to dive into Scripture in a moment. The book of Deuteronomy records Moses' final address to the nation of Israel. Moses has led Israel for decades, and he knows now that his time has come to an end. He will not be crossing with Israel into the promised land. And so he, he delivers this final address and as I'm sure it becomes obvious and as I'm sure we could understand, he chooses his words carefully even as he writes or as, as he gives this record. And as Moses speaks, there's one theme that dominates all throughout Deuteronomy. It's the theme of remember. Remember. He might phrase it to them as, remember not to forget. In other times, he says, don't forget to remember. Still others, remember to remember. Don't forget, remember. In fact, in Deuteronomy 4 verse 9, Moses says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Moses anticipates that success, of course, will be a particular temptation to forget. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, why don't you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'm going to read a couple of verses in Deuteronomy chapter 8. They'll be up on the screen behind us as well for those that would like to follow along. Moses speaking to the nation of Israel in his parting address. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 10 to 14 and 17 to 18, he says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. God's people. The biggest danger of God's people is forgetting their story, forgetting who they are and whose they are. And so Moses, throughout this address to the nation of Israel, gives them practical means of how they can remember what God has done and how they can remember their own identity in the hand of God. Moses gives them intentional, deliberate patterns of behavior that remind them of their story. Moses tells them to build these activities into the rhythms of their lives. To give them ongoing and regular opportunities to stop and remember. In fact, all through Deuteronomy, in chapter 4 verse 9, Moses says, teach your children. In chapter 6, he says, Proclaim your faith. In chapter 5, he says, Observe the Sabbath. In chapter 8, he says, Give thanks for your blessings. In chapter 9, he says, Confess your sins. In chapter 16, he says, Celebrate the Passover. In chapter 26, he says, Give the tithe. And act with justice and compassion towards your employees, towards immigrants, to orphans, and to the poor. In chapters 15, And 24. All throughout, Moses says to the nation of Israel, You are likely to forget because you are prone to forget what God has done. Therefore, build these deliberate habits into your life in order that you might remember what God has done for you. Keep a journal, write them down, and then tell your children and tell their children after them. Yeah, we've seen this common theme all through Scripture. And all through Deuteronomy, remember the Lord your God. Another theme looms large through Deuteronomy as well, and that's remember what God has done for you. Moses calls out to them in chapter 5, 6, 15, 16, and 24, and he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember what God has done. For you. Remembering our story. These are the very things we need to remember as peoples, as God's people today. Just like the nation of Israel. We need to do so intentionally and deliberately and regularly. Now we, we might go, well, how do we do that? I would say we should organize our lives around those practices that build our memory and keep our memory. Many of the liturgical churches have practices built into the calendar. We might have followed Advent, and we might, some of us might go into Lent. Some of us might build towards Holy Week or Passion Week. And yes, those are helpful in keeping our memory alive. But all Christians, liturgical or not, share at least one profound practice of memory. And we're going to do it next week again, because we do it regularly and routinely To help us remember. And that's the practice of the Lord's Supper. To gather around the table when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. It's almost like Jesus knew what Moses had said. You're going to forget. Therefore do and remember what I have done for you. Psalm 111, which is the one that inspired that founding verse of the Cavendish Laboratory, put in the more contemporary English language of the NIV, says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. You know, Early scientists like Kepler and Maxwell recognized that the created order is God's craftsmanship. It was a work of art. It reflected God's excellence and God's character, and therefore they explored it in order to ponder it. But not just that, the works of the Lord are not limited to creation. The psalmist also has in mind God's saving acts on behalf of his people. In verses 3 to 5 and 9 of Psalm 111, God's words, it says, The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever and acted in faithfulness and uprightness. Everything God says in his word and does in his world serves as a prompt for us to remember. But all too often we forget. Some don't, however, according to the psalmist in verse 2, those who delight in his works ponder on them. To delight in something requires stopping and noticing it, attending to it, treasuring to it. I spoke about the Kruger National Park. Uh, The Kruger National Park actually has road rules and speed limits. We were driving down one of the roads one day. The speed limit is 30 kilometers an hour. We're in the middle of a national game park where there are pride of lion and all of that. And we came around a corner. And there was a traffic officer, a policeman, sitting on the side of the road with a little radar gun. I thought, that is a brave man to sit out in the wild like that. But they have road rules. And they enforce these road rules. And I've often kind of pondered, what's the point? I mean, you're traveling at 30, a few kilometers, and I soon realized, well, it's the protection for the animals. And that's one side. But as we drove around, it soon became apparent that if you go too fast in the Kruger National Park, you miss everything. You don't spot that little buck behind a tree. You don't spot that leopard up in another tree next to the river. You don't spot even a pack of wild dog in a ditch. The rule is there to keep you contained, not to enforce something over you, not to oppress you, but so that you can ponder and marvel at the beauty around you. For those philosophical types in here this morning, I would encourage you to ponder just that today. The rules of God, the precepts of God, enable us to ponder The words and the works of God. Now, ponder can sound passive uh, or maybe even abstract to us. But the original Hebrew word is active, it's eager, it's brimming with life. It means to deliberately seek out with care, to search after, to inquire, to examine, or to interrogate. In fact, it's, its study is how it's translated, the same word in Ezra chapter 7. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law. The same word that we translate as to ponder the law of the Lord. To its teachings. This is what pondering is. It's to study it. It's to examine it. It's to interrogate it. And that's what biblical remembering looks like. Actively, earnestly, deliberately reflecting on God. And thinking carefully about what he said and done. Rehearsing, recalling, and relishing his story and our role in it. Thanking him and praising him for rescuing us and for giving us his good gifts and the opportunities we have to serve him and to seek him. Remembering is deliberate action. What are you writing down in order to remember? What are you recording in order to ponder Forgetting doesn't take special effort. It happens. It's our gravitational pull. If we don't attend to God's words and works, we lose our delight in them. We lose our way. We lose perspective. We forget who we are and whose we are. We need to remember. As you finish off this year, I promise you next week I'm not going to preach a New Year's sermon. As in, you know, New Year, New You, all that kind of thing. I'm going to try and avoid talking about uh, New Year's resolutions. Next week, we're diving back into Luke. Back into prayer in Luke chapter 11. But I invite you in this in-between space, between Christmas and New Year, to once again reflect and to ponder. To look back and to call to mind the works of God and the word of God in your life. And then to look ahead. What are you hoping for? What are you praying for? And in that space and in that time, whatever practice you need for yourself and for your family, don't forget the words of God and the works of God. For that is where life is found. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we think of your word to us, we realize that we are prone to forget. We might bask one day in the glory of your presence, in uh, the joy of answered prayer, the evidence of you at work. But how quickly we move to the next day and we forget Much like driving through a national park and seeing no life. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would remind us that life is there because you are there. And in those spaces, help us to remember. To remember your word to us and to remember your works in us. At the very least, to remember your gift of grace and salvation. Father, help us to look back and to see the evidence of you at work that we might praise you and give glory to you. And then, as we find ourselves perhaps in this place between two times, two seasons, two areas, wherever we find ourselves, God, help us to look ahead and to see you at work. Help us to be intentional and deliberate in our practices, to create rhythm and habits that help us call to mind and indeed not to forget. And at the very least, when we gather around that communion table, may we remember the gift of grace found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask this in your glorious name. And in the name of Jesus, we say, amen.